0: All right, if you have a Bible, open to Philemon, and this morning we're going to read Philemon 8 through 16, and then Albert will come. So verse 8, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever." No longer as a bond servant, but more than a bond servant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord
1: Good morning, Good morning. let's pray Father, we thank you for your word. We ask Lord for you to speak to your church father even things that are not coming out of my mouth, yet you minister to our hearts and minds and spirits in ways that are supernatural, and we ask for that to happen this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So we started our Philemon series last week, and in that first study, one of the first things we looked at was Paul's humility, just at his approach to how he bridged reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. We'll notice that even more today, and hopefully we'll get a sense of Paul's kindness a sense of his sincerity in this letter that he wrote. Now, if Paul wrote this letter to you personally in this manner to me, I would find it really hard not to comply with what he's asking. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, it's very tactful in this appeal that he's writing. He doesn't insist on anything, he's pulling, he's not pushing, he's not. Using a power play or his authority. Rather, he's appealing to Philemon's transformed spirit, his transformed heart in Jesus. And you look at the language that Paul uses in his letter. You look at verse 9 for love's sake. Verse 12, sending my very heart. Verses 13 and 14, I would have been glad to keep him with me, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness. Might not be compulsion, but of your own accord. And so, in reading this letter, there's this definite tone of genuine love, genuine care for Philemon and Onesimus. A lot can be learned regarding leadership from Paul. There are times to push, and there are also times to pull. And here, Paul is pulling, he's not pushing Onesimus and Philemon toward reconciliation. He's kind of attracting them over. He, you Look at verse 8. You see how Paul is pulling. He's not pushing. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Jesus Christ. He doesn't use any of his apostolic authority to command. He appeals. He appeals to love. Christian love. That recognizes that we are equals all of us, before God. And Paul wanted to be sure that what he asked Philemon to do wasn't out of obligation. It wasn't out of compulsion, but it was out of love. Doing something out of love is so much more meaningful than obligation, isn't it? I mean, you think about celebrating your special days. You I mean, Think about your birthday. right? So your families and your friends gather around because they love you, hopefully right? It's not because they have to. It's because they love you. They want to celebrate the day you were born. Or maybe some of you don't care as long as you get gifts like I do. I don't really care if they love me. I'm just Kidding. I really care. But we don't want decisions to be made out of obligation. We want them to be made out of love, right? Just out of obligation. It feels, I couldn't find a better word than this, yucky. It just doesn't feel good. I think I need to marry her because we've been together for three and a half years. isn't that terrible? That's yucky, right? That's not the best reason. I need to plan our fifth anniversary. It's something I, I, I don't really want to do, but it's something I have to do. Yucky. Is that out of love or is that out of duty? And that's something for us to ask ourselves. Why do we do the things that we do? And it needs to be motivated by love, by love. And oftentimes we don't make hard decisions out of love. We make them out of obligation. Right, which isn't the best decision. In relationships, in employment, in ministry, we really need to make decisions out of love, not out of obligations. Even those decisions that are really hard. This decision wasn't an easy one for Philemon and Onesimus to make. And Paul could have mandated it in a biblical way. Could have laid it out all for them, but this was a decision to be made out of genuine love. Not out of compulsion, not out of obligation. Verse 9, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Of course, calling oneself old is a relative thing. We don't know what Paul's age is here, but Paul considers himself an old man. He's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. He's taken a toll on his body physically, on his mental state, on his spiritual state. So he might be feeling a bit on the geriatric side around this time that he wrote this letter. So he's simply laying out the facts for Philemon to consider as he's writing this letter that he's old. He's a prisoner. But even though he's old and in prison, don't do this out of obligation to me. Do it out of love. Now do what? This is what's found in verse 10. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Onesimus isn't mentioned at all until verse 10. You notice this? Why did Paul write the letter like this? I'm not completely sure. I know that Paul was a lawyer. And so maybe he was building this case before presenting the appeal. Because Onesimus did run away from Philemon, and maybe in order to survive, Onesimus needed to take some things from Philemon to get some food and some other essentials, and we don't know if this is the first time Philemon heard of Onesimus's whereabouts. We do know that there was a need for reconciliation. We do know that Onesimus became a Christian and now a brother to Philemon in Jesus, so now What? So this may be the first time Philemon and Onesimus come across one another since Onesimus ran away. We know from Colossians chapter 4, verses 7-9 through 9, that Onesimus traveled with Tychicus back to Colossae where Philemon lived for the purpose of informing the church in Colossae of how Paul and the others with him were doing to encourage them, the church there, that Onesimus had become a faithful and beloved brother who is now one of them. So I wonder if this was just shocking news to Philemon. Was Onesimus present when Philemon read this letter? Because if this is the first time, would you think, like, if they first saw each other, like, I'm going to get you arrested. I'm going to call the police. Or was he just kind of like hiding out behind the barn or something? And Tychicus was like, hey, I'll come out and get you after he reads the letter so that, you know, he doesn't throw you in jail or whatever. I don't know how it all happened. We do know that this former bond sermon of Philemon's, Onesimus, became a Christian after he ran away. And who knows if he would have become one if he didn't. Maybe he needed to run away in order to encounter Jesus. Here's something to consider about our faith journeys. They're not all the same. Sometimes they take turns that we don't think are good turns. And there are so many stories, even just in our church, of how each one of us have come to faith in Jesus, and some of us took some really crazy turns to get here. And sometimes people go in ways we would have never thought would have been a good way for them to go, but that's how they ended up with a personal relationship with Jesus. So you look at Paul himself, persecuting Christians, throwing Christians in jail, separating families, before meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, on his way to continue persecuting Christians. And we're familiar with the story of the prodigal son who goes off and lives the way that he wants to live before he returns home. God is so patient and he is so kind in how he deals with us. Let's be prayerful, let's be faithful, let's be hopeful that people will turn their lives to Jesus no matter what decisions they're making along the way. So who knows if Philemon ever thought that Onesimus would ever be a Christian? Because don't we have these types of people in our lives? People whom you think there's no way that guy, that girl is going to become a Christian. They are so far from God. There's no way that's going to happen. I've met several people this way. One of them was when I was in my church in Southern California. You know, I was serving there as an usher and I just saw this guy come up and I was like, what are you doing here? And this guy, I mean, if you knew him, he was just a total womanizer. Just any woman he'd go up to and he'd try to pick you up and he'd he'd try to get with you. And he came from this really messed up family. And when I saw him on church, I just never thought that I'd see this guy in church. And his countenance was totally different. And I mean, just the way he smiled, everything was different about him. And he's still following Jesus decades later and married with three children and in this story, Onesimus becomes a Christian. It's just a shocking thing. I, I just imagine Philemon thinking like, what? How? This guy just ran away from me. And maybe, I'm not saying he did, but he took some of my stuff. And he ran off somewhere. I never heard from him again. And now he's back and with you and Paul. And like, what's going on? Verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Paul was used by God to guide Onesimus' newly found faith in Jesus. And by God's grace, Paul was used to be like a father to Onesimus, to teach him, protect him, lead him in the ways of Jesus. And this wasn't this one-way relationship. Onesimus was useful to Paul while Paul was in jail. Onesimus served him. Their relationship was mutually beneficial. And Paul discipled Onesimus and showed him that in Christ, you know, you're a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Onesimus was a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. But that doesn't mean that the things that you've done, or the things that have happened in the past are just brushed under the rug when it's people that you've wronged. Reconciliation, forgiveness, those things still needed to happen. And this is what Paul hoped to happen between Philemon and Onesimus. That Onesimus, yes, he's a different person than the one Philemon may be thinking of, but they need to still reconcile. They still need to forgive one another. Verse 12, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Paul wasn't sending back to Philemon the same Onesimus who ran away but a new Onesimus one who is a new creation in Jesus one who has been influenced by Paul's very own heart for God and the things of God such as reconciliation and forgiveness let's continue reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 through 21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Onesimus was reconciled to God. The real reconciliation was between Onesimus and God. And through God using Paul, Onesimus was reconciled to God. Yes, Onesimus needed to be reconciled with Philemon, but the bigger issue was Onesimus needed to reconcile with God. This was the same problem between God and Paul. Paul needed to be reconciled with God. He persecuted Christians and then Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. He was reconciled with God. You know, oftentimes we talk about being reconciled to people and forgiving people, but there's a deeper, a deeper reconciliation that needs to happen, and that is between you and God. Because if that can happen, you can forgive anyone. You can reconcile with anyone. So the question is, are you reconciled with God this morning? Now, let me share something with you about reconciliation with God. Verse 11. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So be reconciled to God, and you will indeed be useful in the kingdom of God but you need to be prepared to be sent back sent back with the heart of God to those whom you need to reconcile with now guess what Onesimus's name means useful that's what his name means it means profitable it means useful now you read this now you think about reading this Paul's funny he's a funny guy he's witty Onesimus probably got his name because he was useful. Philemon probably gave him the name. And so he's useful, but since he ran away, he's useless. And now that he's reconciled to God, heading back to Philemon to reconcile with him, he's useful again. His name fits again. He's not some useless dude that ran away, and he's profitable. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now indeed, he is useful to you and to me. It doesn't matter what your past is to be useful in the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. In Christ, you can be made useful in the kingdom of God. And that is one of two reasons why people aren't reconciled with God. One reason is some people think that there is no way that they would receive forgiveness or reconciliation with God because of their past. Because of who they are, because of what they've done in the past, that there's no way that God could accept me because I'm so rotten, I'm so bad. You're wrong. You're wrong. God can make you useful. And then there's the second reason that people don't reconcile with God is that they think they're too good. I don't need God. I got the answers I need, I'm smart, I'm better, I'm, I can figure things out, science just does this for me, or the spirituality does this for me, or whatever, all these different things do it for me, and God can make even those people useful if they humble themselves and be reconciled with God. But if we were just to separate the two camps as to why people don't come to God and just make it really, really simple, those are two reasons, you think you're too good or you think you're too bad. And this may be the story of Onesimus and Paul. Onesimus may have felt, you know, my name means useful, but I'm useless. I ran away, and so what am I going to do now? It's not like I can just pick up and pick up whatever job I want. I, I can't do that. From what he did as a runaway bondservant, there was no use for him now. And God changed that for Onesimus. And then there was Paul, the opposite of that who felt he was Judaism's answer to putting down the growth of Christianity, that there was plenty of use for him, that he was it, God changed him too. God made him useful to the kingdom of God, not religion. No matter where we find ourselves this morning, God can make you useful in his kingdom. Whether you are so arrogant to believe that you're God's blessing to the planet Earth, Or you're so beat up from life that you believe that you can contribute nothing to this world. God can make all of us useful. Now, you see how Jesus brings people together who are so different. Because how much more different can Paul and Onesimus be? Onesimus was a bondservant, Paul was a Pharisee, a lawyer educated at the UC Berkeley of the day, right? UC Jerusalem under Professor Gamaliel. I mean, he arguably the best rabbi, the greatest rabbi at that time. Onesimus has nothing to his name. Paul has everything in terms of reputation, experience, pedigree, all that stuff. And here they are so different from one another, but because of Jesus, they're brought together. They are brothers a brother who wrote this letter to Philemon on behalf of his new brother in Jesus, Onesimus. So different from one another in almost every way, but in Jesus, the same. And you look at the terms of endearment that Paul used at the end of verse 12. Sending my very heart. Paul is referencing his inward affection, his tender mercies, His deep compassion of his inner being, the very core of who he is, that Onesimus has that in me. He's gotten that from me. And this is more than just being a member of the same church. This is more than just going to the same small group or arranging play dates with the children that are in your kids' children's classes. I mean, this is more than that. This is hearts intertwined because of who we are in Jesus. Colossians 3, verse 11. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. The bond of our hearts is Jesus. It's not our race, education, socioeconomic status. It's Jesus who brings our hearts together. And Paul was sincere about how useful Onesimus was was to him verse 13 i would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel this happens between churches all the time i'm really skeptical of churches that so easily want to send someone over to help us right we want to send this person over to help you with your ministries I'm way more comfortable when I ask for the help and the church says, you know what, she's just a really a key person on our team, but to help you guys out, okay, we'll send her over for a week or two weeks or whatever. And, and so then that's great. I, I'm much more comfortable with that. So sometimes Jane needs a break from leading worship, so I'll ask other churches for some help in leading worship, and that's kind of the lens that I look through to see if a church is just overly anxious to send someone over just so that they get that person out of their hair. Or if it's because you know, they're just a really great servant on their team and they're just willing, they're willing to help us out. Paul wants to keep Onesimus with him, to help him out while he's in prison for the gospel, but he wants to see this good done. Verse 14, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. So again, you see that he doesn't pull any power play, no authority thing going on. He invites Philemon into this decision, a decision that Paul is hopeful is going to be a good one. That the decision made isn't going to be out of compulsion, but out of goodness, out of love. Verses 15 and 16, For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Here Paul is encouraging Philemon to look into why what happened happened. Because maybe this was God. God working in his life and in Onesimus' life, even though Onesimus chose to run away, God's providence is still at work. So you look at Esther, right? Esther's life. When Mordecai asked Esther in Esther chapter 4, verse 14, And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this. What happened between Philemon and Onesimus to Paul to Esther, these aren't just random events. God was intimately in these moments in their lives. All the events in our lives have the potential for God to work in them, for them to be God-ordained moments. And so what we need to do is we need to continually seek God to see what we are a part of. Are we where we are at for such a time as this? Onesimus had the opportunity to know Jesus in Philemon's house. Philemon's family knew Jesus. There was a church meeting in his home, but that's not where it happened. Onesimus ran away, and if he didn't become a Christian living and working in a Christian home, how in the world was he going to become one in Rome? Essentially, New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, a big city. God's in Rome, too. And there's a pretty good evangelist there named Paul. And so we can't ever underestimate God. One of the most discouraging things for me as a pastor is how many pastor's kids don't want anything to do with God. It's a fear of mine really just thinking of my four girls and I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago where we spent time praying for pastors whose children have walked away from God and over 80 percent of the pastors stood up for prayer I was shocked over 80 percent practically everyone stood up but I have to remember that God is God And if you have a child, if you have a loved one who is far from God right now, who has taken off in our Rome equivalent, God probably has a pretty good evangelist where they are at. God is wherever they are at. And he loves them dearly. And maybe it didn't happen in your home. But God's not finished with those you love. He's not done yet. God is a God of miracles. There's no running from God. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. How did Onesimus and Paul even meet? I mean, who knows? Maybe when Onesimus ran away, he's looking for a job, and the only one he can get is cleaning out the excrement from the jail cells. And so he goes into the prison, and that's his job. He has to clean what these prisoners have left behind. Maybe some family hired him so that he can deliver food and help keep clean their son who's locked up in jail. We don't know how this meeting happened, we just know that they did meet. And Paul's a really good person to meet if you want to learn about Jesus. And there they met. And Paul, always looking for an opportunity to share the gospel. And here's one of those instances. And he and Onesimus have a conversation where Paul got Onesimus' story. And in that story was the reason why Onesimus ran away from Philemon. But Paul recognizes that that's not the most important part. The most important part is you're running away from God. You're running away from God. And this meeting with Paul was no accident. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. See, you being here is not an accident either. And I'm not claiming to be Paul, but I am reading his letter to you and to let you know that God loves you dearly. And all that time of resistance, all that time of rebellion, all this time of separation from God, all that time of parting from God for a while, but you're here. And you're hearing this message from God from Philemon's verses 8 through 16, that you might be with God forever, reconciled to God. Let's pray. Lord, Lord. I pray for the opening of minds and the softening of hearts for those who don't know you. I ask God that we wouldn't get in the way, that we wouldn't think that we are too horrible of a person, that there's no way for you to forgive us or reconcile with us because we are that bad or that we are that good, that we have all the answers we need, that we have everything we need in life, that having you is just kind of extra. God, would you meet people where they're at and where they need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen.